the unholy triumvirate. Just, uh, yeah. Just get your leg up there and, uh, whoa, 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 got a kicker here. Maybe you should just calm down and listen to the story, huh? Okay? Hold on, hold on. Gotta feed the kitties. Okay, I'm back. Let's start from the start, huh? See, Frankie was this guy. He was like, uh, he's this tough guy in the neighborhood. Lives around the corner with his pop what ran the newsstand. You know, where you can buy gum and smokes and, uh, uh, newspapers, right? That kind of stuff. His pop's name's Giuseppe. Real old school-like. Real old country. Come over here in what, uh, 96, 97? Been here forever. When the Hindenburg went down, and when they lost that Lindbergh baby. Tragic, tragic. And this Frankie's a big guy, you know, no slouch. Told everyone he got them bulging biceps hauling around them crates of merchandise and stacks of papers for his old man, who's a boozer, by the way. And he's got some debts he had to pay off. The problem was there were some rumors going around about him. What kind of rumors? I don't know. I mean, you know, it was just uh, kind of personal rumors about the guy and, uh, well, some people thought he was a... Uh, that he preferred, uh, well, I'll tell you later. So look, the day he disappeared, it's like what, three, four in the afternoon, and little Rodney Resnick was messing around in the street, chucking a baseball at the steps of that old abandoned townhouse. And, what? No, it wasn't little Ronnie what disappeared. Frankie did. Pay attention. Little Ronnie comes up to Frankie in Frankie's pop's newsstand with tears just streaming down his face. A freaking busted fire hydrant, this kid. Frankie looks around to see if his pop's anywhere in sight, and he ain't, so he says, uh, hey, kid, what's the matter? And the kid, Ronnie, he just keeps on crying and crying. I mean, who would have thought such a scrawny little kid had so much water in him? Uh, didn't they fast for Hanukkah or something? <laughs> you know, uh, all right, all right. Uh, anyway, Frankie says, hey, you want some candy? Candy. I mean, really. But the kid falls for it, and Frankie sneaks a Hershey bar from the stand and hands it over to little Ronnie, who's sitting on the widow Miss Feldman's stoop now. So Frankie sits down next to him and kind of looks around real quick. One of them cats always around in the neighborhood comes sauntering over and rubs up against him, and Frankie just pets it a little. And then he licks his lips, and he puts his arm around the kid. And Ronnie don't even notice. He's just chomping away on his Hershey bar, chocolate smeared all over his face like a, uh, uh, like a, uh, like a kid, eating a big chocolate bar and getting it all over his face. And then the widow, Miss Feldman, opens up a window and sticks her head out, and Frankie's arm whips off the kid's shoulder like a snake bit him. What'd you do, Frankie? The widow, Miss Feldman, asks, kind of shocked. What'd you do? Nothing. I, uh... I didn't do nothing. He just come up here like this. What, with his face all swole up and crying? You beat that kid up? He steals something from yous? Nah, nah, he didn't. Hey, Ronnie, why are you crying like this? So the kid told him. 
He was over there throwing the ball against the stoop when some big goombas come riding through and takes the ball, and when he puts up a stink, they throw the thing through the window of the old abandoned house. Oh, look! It's Widow Snookums! See this little kitty? Started hanging around lately. I can't blame him. Got about ten out there. They like to, to prowl around the backyard. So, at this point in the narrative, it becomes necessary to describe our old abandoned townhouse. It looks like any other townhouse on the block, except for the fact that it's empty. And that emptiness weighed on it like, uh, uh, like eating too much hamburger lasagna on a hot summer day. Now, that's an awful comparison. How about, uh, it weighed on the house like a wet wool straitjacket? Eh, not perfect, but better. It was just... It was just the fact that the windows was all the time dark, you know? And not just your, the lights is out and it's midnight on Halloween dark, but black. Pure black. Opaque. That's the word, right? Uh, just not if it's... Oh, that's right, you can't. Uh, just blink your eyes twice if it's, uh... Yeah, I thought I heard that word before. Opaque. The windows was opaque. Blacker than asphalt. Deader than lead. And during the day, they seemed to stare at you, them windows. And the door was all stripped in gray. And there was moss and vines all creeping all over the stoop like friggin' snakes. It was like the house had been transported all the way from a swamp or something. Real juju Louisiana stuff, you know? And all kinds of rumors spun around about the place. Blood oozing out of the walls. Knives slicing through the air. Friggin' nightmare. Back to Frankie. He's sitting there with that poor kid just bawling and bawling about the ball. Says his dad gave it to him, and the old bastard kicked the bucket in the war. And Frankie's sitting there, and all the old pluggers on the block would hang around his pop's newsstand all day, start to show up, shuffling around on their canes and such. And they're looking at him all funny, and so finally he says, All right, all right, I'll go and get it. Ting was, it was getting dark all of a sudden. The setting suns casting shadows of the houses on the street, and the old townhouses all covered in them. And there Frankie stands at the stoop, looking up at the windows. And them windows is just staring right back at him. And he folds his arms across his chest. Not because he's trying to look tough, though looking tough is exactly how he's trying to look, but more because he's cold, standing there in his white T-shirt with the sleeves all rolled up and his brown trousers and his newsboy's hat. And those windows is just staring right back, like they was daring him to come in. Yeah, that's right. Put your foot on my stoop. Lay your hand on my door. Come on in, Frankie. Come on in.
What happened to him? What do you think happened to him? He never come back out, that's what. They never found his body, never found his clothes, not a peep, nothing. His pop raised a ruckus with the peelers, but this place was well known to anyone with half a brain, and most of the coppers grew up round here, so there's no way any of them's gonna set foot in it. All right, all right, all right. just hold on a minute. I, I gotta get this thing rolling here. It's pretty heavy, you know, and you gotta keep the stainless steel bleached and shining. <sighs> Believe you me, it's no picnic. Anyway, about a month later, there was these guys, right? Couple of thugs in real nice suits. Herringbone, Italian leather shoes. Hey, the tall one says, gray wool long coat. Look who it is, Giuseppe Malone. And he, he kind of holds out his arms, palms up, like he's expecting a hug or something. Uh, the other one, he's a squat little guy. He's wearing a wool long coat, too, but it's black. His fedora is black, too, just like the other one's gray. Couple of fancy dresses, them two. The fat one don't say nothing. Just grabs a Hershey bar off the stand, unwraps it, and chucks the trash on the street. What's this? The widow Miss Feldman says, leaning out a window. Ain't you got enough sense to find a trash can? The tall one eyeballs her out of the corner of his eye, kind of like this. He don't say nothing for a second, and the fat one's just looking at him like a dog, waiting for directions. Finally, the tall one hisses something in Italian at his partner, and the little one says, What? What'd I do? Just pick up the wrapper, huh? Frankie's pop just stands there, and he looks a billion years old since Frankie's gone missing. Sure, he was bald before, but now his skin was all, uh, chalky? Is that the right word? Just blink it. Yeah, chalky. And he's got wrinkles on his wrinkles, and a hitch in his step where there wasn't one before. And he's all the time sighing and breathing heavy. A real Job. Giuseppe, the tall one says, holds his hands up again. Haven't heard from you in a long time, huh? Giuseppe just gives him this withering glare, you know, like he don't really care. And then he leans on the stacks of newspapers on his counter and says, Chesafaki, Basilio, te lo da prima. No, 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 la pate. The smile on Basilio's face fell just a little, but his hands stay up. Nothing, he says. Then he makes this grand display like he's... Oh, don't mind this. It's a little cold. Like he's seeing the newsstand for the first time. He's peering at the rows of Hershey bars, ogling the newspapers all bundled up in brown paper, squinting at the box of smokes. Nothing, he says again. What's all this, them peanuts? Meanwhile, the short little guy comes back from the trash can, clapping his hands like he just built the pyramids or something, and Basilio says to him, Arco, you hear that? Hear what? Giuseppe. He says he ain't got nothing for us today. Suddenly, Arco's all concerned. His eyebrows bounce up and his mouth drops open a little. Vincent's gonna be pissed. Then Giuseppe did something really stupid. He waves his hands at them like there was one of them urchins come begging for candy. And then he turns his back. Basilio's bemused smile quickly drops into a snarl, and with a grunt and a growl, he lunges over the counter, knocking over all the papers, and he grabs the old man by the collar, 
pulls them back over, throws them on the street, and, well, you get the picture. And one day was Don Basilio, and he's breathing all heavy, and his coat's all ruffled, and his hat's in the gutter, and his gloves and sleeves is all spattered red. Basilio screams, that's right, you got nothing, and you better have all that nothing by the end of the week, or you'll have even more nothing than you already ain't got. Arco levels a kick right at the old man's ribs, just to rub it in, like a rim shot at the Follies, right? Except there ain't no minstrels. There ain't no go-go girls shaking the cans. And ain't nobody's laughing. And then they just leave him there. Newspapers soaking up the rain in the gutter. And his teeth is all bashed in and bloody. And he's got these jagged gashes on his face from where Basilio's rings cut him. And now, in addition to not having his son Frankie anymore... He's lost the sight in his left eye. Not that he'd notice on account of his eye is all swole up to the size of a grapefruit. Big, black, purple, and yellow. Monday comes and goes, and Giuseppe does nothing. He sets up his stand, he sells his newspapers, he makes jokes with the widow Miss Feldman, but he don't do nothing else. If he got a gun, he ain't showing it around. If he's planning on skipping town, nobody's seen no suitcases. Other than that pumpkin for an eye, you wouldn't have known anything happened, except this. Every night... He just stands there on the sidewalk outside the old abandoned townhouse, looking up at it. It was creepy, just him and the house staring at each other. Some people thought they'd seen his lips moving, like he was talking to it or something. Hands hanging by his sides, the full moon hanging in the sky like a fat spider sack casting his black shadow on the street. Then it's Wednesday. Then it's Thursday, and Friday morning rolls around cold and clear. You could see your breath fog in the air. Dew froze on the windows like leopard spots, and the puddles of muck is skimmed over with stained glass layer of ice. Fall in the big city. Basilio and Arco show up right after the sun rises, and Giuseppe's the only one out on the street. The widow Miss Feldman's curtains twitch, and little Ronnie Resnick's Mars pacing by her window. Even the Beelers strolled on by at the top of the street, hands clasped behind their backs, disappeared as soon as them two goombas showed up. Giuseppe didn't say a word, just stood there when they walked up. Basilio says, So you got your nothing for us today, Giuseppe? Are we gonna have to wipe the gutter with your face again? My son, Frankie, Giuseppe replied and his good eye wanders over to the townhouse. Basilio and Arco exchanged a look. Your son Frankie what? Arco spits. That fruitcake! He slaps the back of his gloved hand on Basilio's chest. I hear he hangs out down at the docks during Fleet Week. Giuseppe's face goes dark, and a sneer swipes across it. 
He wouldn't have let you do something like this. He wouldn't have let this happen, Maggio, le vostre anima per sempre, caminano, la terra nel dolore. And them two guys just burst out into laughter. And not just a few giggles, neither, but full-on belly laughs. Basilio even hits Arco in the shoulder with his gloves. Giuseppe remains stone-faced and cold. Then Basilio slaps him across the face three times real quick, like a machine gun, that one, and grabs him by the back of the neck and slams his face into the stack of newspapers on the counter. Arco presses his thumb into the old man's grapefruit eye. And poor old Giuseppe cries out something horrible, but there ain't much he can do. His arms flail all over the place. Frankie ain't here no more, is he? Basilio yells. That homo's burning in hell now. It's you you should be worried about. Now you gonna give us your nothing or what? Yes, yes, Giuseppe whispers. He's got their money. And so they let him go and say, where? And he just says, follow me. And where does he lead him? You guessed it, right over to the old abandoned townhouse. He slogs up the stairs to the door, but Basilio and Arco don't go no further than the sidewalk, staring at the place like the whole thing's a joke. You gotta be kidding me, Basilio says. You think this is funny? Come here, I'm gonna close your other eye. Giuseppe puts his hand on the door and turns his good eye at him. You want your money? You come in here. The other two don't say nothing. Basilio just nodding, grimacing. And Arco frowning, confused. All right, old man, Basilio finally says. But if there's anything, Giuseppe don't even listen. He just opens the door and goes inside, slamming it shut behind him. You never seen two old garlic clothes move so friggin' fast. They charge up them steps and bust into the house like a herd of elephants. Slam the door shut behind him. For a minute, there's nothing. Then the heat has stopped firing, and it looks like a lightning is firing up in the windows. It goes on and on, and the door flies open, and fat little Arco falls out. Don't run, don't walk, but falls out, flat on his face. And he's covered in blood, and his hat's gone, and you can't tell if the blood's his or not. He just lies there for a second, and then he starts to crawl forward, pulling himself along with his pudgy fingers inch by inch, trying to make it to the steps. What's he gonna do once he hits him? Nobody knows. Blood's flowing off his face and his greasy hairs in his eyes, and he opens his mouth to cry for help or something, but he's only able to gurgle a little and grunt. Then something pulls him back a foot, almost all the way back into the house. Arco digs his nails into the concrete, leaving red marks and skin. He stops long enough to let out a broken sob and then whatever's on the other side of that door pulls him all the way back in and slams it shut. A few minutes later, the peelers stroll by and wait for a while next to Giuseppe's newsstand. Then the widow Miss Feldman came out of her house, picked up some of the papers that had blown into the gutter. When one of the cops came over and put a nickel down on the stack, she handed him one.
Here. Raise your head. There you go. Just a sip, okay? Don't want to choke it all back up. So that's the way it stood for a while. The house was like the, uh, the whatchamacallit, the monkey in the oven. You know, everyone went about the business, going to school, going to work, and everybody knew it was there, but nobody wanted to admit it. Politicians lied and paid the rich. Businessmen lied and paid the lobbyists. Lobbyists lied and paid the politicians. Nothing ever changes, and nothing ever will. Only thing different on the street was who was screwing who. And there sat the old abandoned townhouse in the middle of it all. Black-eyed and dirty and covered in moss, daring anybody to come near. What? What's that? Yeah, the elephant in the room. That's what I meant. Huh, monkey in the oven. Anyway, then the kids start disappearing and everything went to hell. Someone set fire to the place, but the flames didn't do nothing more and black the foundation. Burn away some of the moss and clear the weeds. Guy who did it's just standing there, watching it burn, and wouldn't you know it, a window falls out of the top floor and impales the jerk right through the head, like a spear. Kills him dead on the spot. And after that, they called you. You. A priest. They sent a priest in here with me. It'd be funny if it wasn't so stupid. Because, I mean, uh, take it from my perspective. There you was in your vestal robes and that funny hat and your holy water and your silly little book. And you're chanting and reading in the living room, sprinkling water all over the brown stains on the carpet. And you're trying to ignore that stench floating up from down here in the basement. And I could see it in your face. You're thinking, what does that smell like? That's when I sent Whittle Snookums here at you. And while you're distracted by the sight of this perfect little kitty cat and all this filth, you don't even hear the whisper of my footsteps coming up behind you, did you? Didn't know there was anybody there till the cloth was over your mouth and nose, huh? What's that, Pop? What? Hold on a minute. I'll be done down here soon. That's my Pop. He don't hear so good since them goons did a number on his hearing. It looks like he won't have to worry about them no more, huh? And I won't have to worry about you. Nobody will ever have to worry about you again, huh, Father? You remember me yet, huh? Yeah, I bet you don't. But I remember you. And here we are. I wish I had someone like me around when I was a kid. The three biggest scourges of the earth, they used to say, was violence, vice, and veneration. All three of them in some way responsible for all the wrongs done to all the people in all the world. Think of all the brutality done to poor children by people who should have been taking care of them in the stupid church that said it was okay. Think of all the murderers in the world. Well, look up there on the wall. See that? Good old Arco. Well, just his head. He was the first one, so it was a little rough going on the skull there. Had to do some patching up in those bare spots. Next to him, you got your stand goon, Basilio. His face got a little, uh, how to say this, uh, exploded? Don't blame the artist. 
and in about a minute or two, you're going to join him there, father. The unholy triumvirate. A masterpiece, complete at last. What do you think? Oh, that's right. You should be losing feeling in most of your face right about now. Anyway, this won't hurt a bit. Just a little pinch in the arm and... No, no, don't worry about those. I sharpened them up nice just this morning. Thank you for tuning into the Mad Tales podcast. I hope you enjoyed this week's chapter. If you cannot wait until next week to finish the story, you can always buy it in ebook and paperback form from Amazon.com, or you can buy it directly from me, both in ebook and in paperback, a signed paperback nonetheless, uh, from my website, www.jamesnoll.net. That's www.jamesnoll.net. And if you would love to support me on Patreon, I would love you to support me on Patreon. I'm offering all kinds of cool extras, including access to bonus material, uh, the ebooks released one week at a time, the chapter at a time, uh, customized short stories. And if I can build enough of a following, I want to film a live action version of Make the Hive Great Again, one of my favorite chapters from The Hive. It's uh, at the end of the first season, it's the very last chapter of the, of the first season. That would be an awesome thing to do. So if you want to visit my Patreon page, it's www.patreon.com slash madtails. That would be fantastic. And I will see you guys next week.